Look with me in Matthew, the eighth chapter, if you would, please. We began some weeks ago talking about the greatest faith, the greatest faith, and I want to continue in that today. I'm seeing things in these passages stronger than I've ever seen before. Some of these things I've been teaching, preaching on for 30 years, and uh, I'm more stirred up about it today than I've ever been. Well, you know, the Word of God is living. It never gets old. In Matthew 8 and 5, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. And uh, he said, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Is he the same? Jesus. Yesterday, today and forever. You know, he never said, I won't heal. He never said, it's not my will. Men have said that, but he never said it. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. And my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. (laughs) This so impressed Jesus that he marveled at it. He marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. That would include all the priests, all the Pharisees and Sadducees, of course, including the 70 of his own and his own 12. Well, then this is remarkable. This is something to talk about. Do we desire to know and have more faith? If you don't, you're just not thinking right. Having more faith means pleasing God more. It means overcoming more. It means receiving more of his good things. It means overcoming temptation and and passing tests and not failing and falling. Let me ask again. Are you interested in more faith? Yes. It should be. And here we see not just faith, not just more faith, we see the greatest faith. If you look up some of these words, one of the words is megas. The Lord said he had megas faith. That's where we get our word mega from. Mega is the greatest. The greatest, that's where I got the title of the series. The greatest faith. He said, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere in the whole country, including my own staff. Well, what makes him able to have this kind of faith? 
That's why it's recorded for us. He said in verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. People will come from outside the natural Jewish lineage. Well, that's, that's me. Is that you? <laughs> that's us and we ends. But the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There are people who should be a part, but they refuse to accept Jesus, refuse to believe it, and they're going to be left out, Jesus said. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so be it done to you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Somebody say the greatest faith. What detail are we given that reveals to us what made this man different so that he was able to have the greatest faith? He's not a, a theologian. He's not a man who spent years and years studying the scriptures. He's not a man known necessarily for prayer. <laughs> Do you know you can pray a lot and have no faith? Did you know you can have a doctorate of divinity and have no faith and not know God at all? Not that education's wrong, depending on what you learn. (laughs) People say, well, I got a degree. In what? (laughs) If the people teaching you didn't know God, you're not in good shape. So what is it about him? He is a centurion. He is a Roman officer. He's over at least 100 men, maybe more, maybe two or 300. He's a fighting man. He's a soldier. He's a military man. And that's what he quotes in explaining to Jesus why the Lord does not need to come to his house, doesn't need to pray for his servant, doesn't need to lay hands on him. He said, all you need to do, one translation says, is give the command. (laughs) Now, why are we talking about this? This, understanding this, is key to having great faith. Do we need to think like this man? You don't necessarily have to be a soldier, but there is some mentality here you and I need to adopt. And we need to live by it. Let me read this to you from another God's Word translation. Verse 8. The officer responded and he said, Sir, I don't deserve to have you come into my house. But just give a command. Somebody say, give a command. command. (laughs) That's military. He's saying, I know what needs to happen here. Because I understand the chain of command. Just give the command and my servant will be healed. Verse 9. As you know, I'm in a chain of command. And I have soldiers at my command. Everybody say command. Command. I tell one of them, one of my soldiers, one of my hundred soldiers that's under me, go. And tell me what happens. (laughs) Are you sure? 
They tell us in the Roman army, you didn't think about not going. <laughs> this is an order, not an ideal or a suggestion, but an order. In our generation, in our society, we're not big on commands. <laughs> we're also not so hot in faith. And you'll find the two are inseparable. Well, according to this, we should understand they're connected. In the military, there must be training to follow orders. Without it, you've got no cohesive unit. Without the chain of command, when the fighting starts, there will be chaos. People leaving their positions and the boots on the ground don't see the big picture ever. You know, the, uh, the generals and the people who are forming strategy, they have the benefit of all the satellite pictures and all the intelligence. And so we got, you know... Some of these folks have been doing this for decades, and, and we got all these resources, and so I'm not saying they've always done it perfectly, but at least they've got the information, and they are making plans and strategy, and then orders are issued. And most of the time, the soldier will not know all the reasons why they're doing what they're supposed to do. But if you question commands and if you try to operate democratically the army will fall apart. So, so what do you mean? Democracy is the greatest. Actually it's not. Rule under God is what he always intended. Not the majority rules. The majority is not always right. The majority on this planet has elected to rebel against God. You don't want to be a part of that. You want to submit to him. And you want to be a good soldier. Did the Bible tell us endure hardness as a good soldier? You want to be a good soldier. Jesus is called the captain of our salvation. And if you're going to have strong faith, it'll be because you learned what this man knows. That when he gives you an order, what do you do? You say, well, I'm going to think about that. I'm, I'm going to pray about that. Well, I'm going to get a committee together. We're going to talk, we're going to discuss it and talk to pros and cons. How many understand, if the military operates that way, the war is over. And you've lost by the time you get your little committee formed. I mean in the thick of action, when you're under fire, it takes something strong to keep it from just falling apart. And that's why in basic training and in further training, the soldiers, the troops are trained to follow an order immediately, completely. Without a question, 
are without a hesitation. Why? Because lives depend on it. And the outcome of the battle depends on it. And maybe the whole war. Well, whether people realize it or not, we're in a war. We're in a war. There are forces of darkness arrayed against the church. And we just got through reading. The enemy comes, and he comes every day to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There are principalities. There are powers. There are rulers of the darkness of this world. There's spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. There is a conflict going on, and there's only one way that we're going to come out victorious day in and day out. And it'll be because we follow orders. We will never see the whole big picture. Much of the time, we won't even understand spiritually what's going on or where it's coming from or why. Much of the time, that's why we must walk by faith. Just trust God. But when he tells you to do something, he has good reasons why. How many believe God sees the big picture? And when he gives us a command, we do not need to start debating Wondering, discussing, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to obey immediately and completely. This is the same thing as having the greatest faith. Do you think most of the church world knows this? This is the same thing. As having the greatest faith. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you quote. Or how much you pray. If when the Lord gives you a command. You don't obey. You will not be victorious. Only he. Sees the big picture. And why did Jesus marvel about this? Because I'm sure. This centurion. This rough tough fighting man. He does not see everything Jesus is talking about when Jesus says, my, my, my. I hadn't seen faith like that in the whole country. This centurion, this officer is not thinking, I've got the most faith in the country. No. He doesn't know what Jesus is talking about. All he knows is how his whole life works. And he didn't know it, but it's a perfect overlap. Of spiritual things and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And he said, No, sir, you don't need to come to my house. No, sir. If you could just please give the order. <laughs> oh, somebody say, Glory to God. Give the order. In one phrase, That describes the greatest faith a human being can have. That you are poised, ready for him to give an order. Hallelujah. And you trust him so much. 
And so completely that whatever order he gives, you believe it'll be right, it'll be good, I'm going to do it, and he's going to back it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the greatest faith. That's the greatest faith there is. You don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew. You don't have to pray eight hours a day. That's the greatest faith there is. But have you noticed there's a whole lot of folks that are a lot of talk about spiritual things. Talk, 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 talk. Talk about scriptures. Talk about faith. Talk about prayer. Talk about spiritual. Talk, 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 talk. But then you get specific about one thing to do. Well, I'll pray about it. Weeks later, have you done it? Well, not yet. That's faithless. That's faithless. And it's not spiritual. They imagine themselves to be so spiritual because they're talking about spiritual things all the time. Talking about spiritual things doesn't make you spiritual. <laughs> what makes you spiritual? What's, what's real faith? What is pegging the meter faith? Greatest faith there is. It is so simple. It is so simple. Whatever he says to you, you know what Jesus' mother said? Whatever he says to you, not talk about it. <laughs> Pray about it. What? Do it. do it. Oh, come on, help your neighbor. Say, do it. Do it. Do, do what? Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. When? Whenever he says. Right? Do it. Do it. Faith, James says, without inaction is dead. Or you can say it like this. Faith that is just all theoretical talk produces nothing. It's only when you demonstrate you trust him enough to do what he said. That's when you'll see a manifestation of the power of God. That's when you'll see a miracle. Hallelujah. Listen to the CEV, the complete English version. I have aspirations of having the same kind of faith that Jesus marvels at. I'm talking about Keith Moore. That the Lord could look at some situations and go, ask my boy. Would you look at that faith? Gabriel? Michael, that's what I'm talking about right there. Same kind of faith that centurion had. Same kind of faith. Same kind of faith Paul had. Same kind of faith Abraham. Same kind of faith. Well, that's not just something I can have. It's something you can have. Something every one of us can have if, if, if we'll grab a hold of the throat of this flesh and the rebellion and the defiance and the argumentativeness and slam it. Amen. And put it under. And submit ourselves to him. And humble ourselves. 
and become obedient. Now see that that word in modern society, the most people like that word obedient. You want to see a rise? Just go, you need to obey. 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 (laughs) I'll think about it, will you? You are not even remotely close to the greatest kind of faith. The CEV, Jesus went to the town of Capernaum, verse 5, and an army officer came up to him and said, Lord, my servant, this is the complete English, my servant is at home in such terrible pain that he can't even move. And we're not just talking about some abstract something here today. We're talking about something that'll get you out of an incurable condition. And contrary to what some people think, he doesn't just randomly, or for reasons nobody can understand, pick to do that for a very few people and other few people he doesn't. No, no, faith is the determining factor. The Lord said it is. Here's a man, he's in terrible pain. He can't even move. Jesus said, I'll go and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not good enough, King James says, worthy. For you to come into my house, just give the order. Somebody say, just give the order. Just give the order, order and my servant will get well. I have officers who give orders to me. And I have soldiers who take orders from me. I say to one of them, go and He goes, I can say to another, come, and he comes. I can say to my servant, do this, and he will do it. What he's saying is, I perceive that just like I have commanders over me that have authority over me, you have authority over disease. I've heard about it. I've seen examples of it. And and I'm convinced, if you would please, sir, give the command, my servant will be delivered and healed. Because I know how it works. I get orders, and I follow them. I give orders, and they are followed. Now let me just pause right here. Do you think we would be talking about this man if he didn't follow orders? Would we be talking about this man if he did not, if he wasn't good at following orders? He would have never been a centurion. He would have never got command unless he followed commands. Can you give commands if you won't follow commands? No, because you won't get into the position to be able to do so. Now, there's a lot of folks who have heard a few things about our authority in Christ and about our authority in the name of Jesus, and they're all ready to give commands. (laughs) But are they those who will receive commands and follow orders? And so many times the answer is no. And the truth is, If you won't follow commands, 
from those who are over you in the Lord, the Lord himself, the enemy knows he doesn't have to follow your commands. If you won't follow commands of the Lord, the enemy knows he doesn't have to listen to you if you won't listen to God. I can prove that to you from a number of scriptures and we're going we're gonna to look at it. But is the revelation here in this passage, what does it take to have the greatest faith? Would we be talking about this man if he didn't follow orders? He'd never been a centurion. So he'd have never been in this, he wouldn't have understood this. He wouldn't have been somebody standing telling Jesus, this is how it works. He wouldn't be in the Bible. God has ordained that when any kind of work of the enemy tries to rear its head in our life, we be able to rise up and say in the name of Jesus, shut it down, stop, and get it out of your life. Resist the devil and him flee from you. That's God's will for every child of God. That is not happening with most of the body of Christ. And it's because... Most of the body of Christ does not follow orders from the head. Go with me to James, fourth chapter. James chapter 4, verse 6. James 4, 6 says, He gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud. Well, when you are defiant, when you won't listen, that is part of pride. And if you're being defiant and and rebellious, you won't get God's help. It doesn't get much more serious than that. If God's not helping you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be successful. And in fact, you wind up getting resisted. God hates pride. I didn't say he hates proud people. He hates pride. It is the nature of the devil himself. And God hates it. And so should you. Should you or not? You want to change your vocabulary. Quit saying, I'm proud of this. I'm proud of that. I'm proud. And you'll see it. You'll still flare sometimes when I say that. Well, I'm, I'm proud of my kids. Well, you need to stop. Listen to this. Listen to what the father said when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. This is my beloved son. And I am so proud of him. No. You can be pleased. You can be thankful. But don't be proud. Because after all, whose kids are they? Well, you're thinking about my kids. That comes right back to you. I'm so proud of my kids. That's another subject. (laughs) Suffice it to say, God hates pride. So should you. It'll get you resisted. It'll get your help removed from you. But who gets the help? Come on, who gets the grace? The humble. The hum- he gives grace to the submissive, to the obedient, to the hum- Do you want God's help? Then you've got to lose the attitude. You want God's help? You got to lose the attitude and show genuine 
humility. Jesus said, come learn about me. I am meek and lowly of heart. You'll find rest to your soul. Do you want to be like Jesus or do you want to be like the devil? The devil is proud, arrogant, defiant. You don't want to be anything like him. God hates that. Jesus completely submitted to the Father. Completely obedient. Completely total trust. Complete submission. Full obedience. That's Jesus. That's what you want to be. Verse 7. Submit yourselves. Who's going to make you do it? Nobody's going to make you do it. God won't make you do it. Godly people won't try to make you do it. This is what keeps the error out of godly submission. In godly submission, there is no force. In godly submission, no one is making anyone do anything. You volitionally submit yourself to that authority or it doesn't happen because they are not going to make you do it. And there, there are a lot of people around this. I've even had some people try to tell Phyllis and I, well, you know, I may be a little slow, but you know, if you'll ride me long enough, I'll, I'll get around to it. Well, that ain't happening. It's not my job to ride you. I'm told not to do that. I'm to lead. You follow if you want to. Are y'all with me? That's not how it works. In the world, the enemy tries to make you do stuff, coerce you, force you. God never, never. You submit yourselves to God, then what? Resist the devil. Give him a command. Does that come first? What comes first? You submitting yourselves to God, would that include following his commands? You follow his commands, and then you can command the enemy. If you're listening to God, then the enemy has to listen to you. If you're not listening to God, who are you listening to? Who's tempting you to be rebellious? So if I'm not listening to God, why am I not listening to God? Because I'm already yielding to the enemy. And if I'm yielding to the enemy and then I try to give him an order, he laughs in your face. Because he knows, I don't have to listen to you, you're listening to me. <laughs> now, now we're laughing, but it means you stay sick. It means your bills don't get paid. It means you don't overcome. Oh, but friend, oh, but friend, when you know what this man knew and you're ready to do what the Lord tells you to do and you're quick to obey and you do it fully, man, condemnation leaves you and confidence and boldness comes up in your heart and you tell the devil where to get off and he's got no choice. He's got no choice. He has to. Oh, can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Does this stir you up at all? Woo. Glory to God. 
Look with me in uh, Matthew. Uh, let's see. It's in Matthew, but I believe Luke 4 is where I want you to go. Yeah, Luke 4. Luke 4, are you there? Verse 2. This is the account of the enemy tempting Jesus for 40 days and nights in the wilderness. 40 days he was tempted of the devil. In those days Jesus did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. So maybe he wasn't all that hungry for this period of time, but it hit him here later at the end. He, hunger really is coming on now. And verse 3. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, do what? Command this stone that it be made bread. Now here you are, hungry. <laughs> the hunger has hit you. After 40 days of not eating, and the enemy says, you see those stones? See that nice round stone right there? That could be a great big hot loaf of bread. If you would command it. If you would speak a command to it. So what would be wrong with him doing that? Did he do it? He didn't do it. Why, why wouldn't he do it? Because he didn't believe it could happen? He, he didn't think he had the faith to do it? He didn't believe he had the authority to do it? He thought it was impossible? He is hungry. Great big hot loaf of bread would be nice right about now. Why didn't he do it? Why didn't he do it? Let me read you an exact explanation of why he didn't do it. John 12, 49. John 12, 49, Jesus said, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know his commandment is life everlasting. Whatever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. Why wouldn't he command the stones to be made bread? Because the Father didn't tell him to command the stones to be made bread. And who is trying to tell him to do it? He would be yielding to the influence and direction of what the devil is telling him to command and do. And no matter how hungry he was, he refused to do it because the Father didn't tell him to do it. Do you see how submitted Jesus was to the Father? He wouldn't command it. He wouldn't say it. He wouldn't try to believe it or do it unless the Father directed him to. This is why there's been so much so-called faith failure. People in our circles have learned a few things about faith principles and authority, but haven't had the relationship with the Father or the discipline. They command this and command that and say that and have not heard from the Father. And so then it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen, but it doesn't change the truth. Jesus 
did not just go and say what he wanted to say and do what he wanted to do. He said, I didn't come down to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I only say what I hear him say. I only do what I see him do. Jesus was completely submitted to the Father and only did what he received instruction and orders to do. That is how you and I are supposed to function and operate. It takes a prayer life. It takes praying, fellowshipping with God, seeking Him about what to say and what to do, and then refusing to let anything influence you to command or try to believe or try to do when the Lord didn't direct you. You just balk and say, well, I, because people will try to push you. Believe with me for this or believe with me for that. What did the Father say about this? Where's the scriptures? What's the Holy Spirit saying about this? Not just trying to use faith principles randomly. The Lord said to me some years ago, he said, if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. More selective in what you say, what you pray, what you command. So Jesus refused to issue a command because he is not under the enemy's authority. He doesn't take orders from him. He only takes orders from headquarters. Huh? Only. How about you? Come on, say, I only only take orders orders from headquarters. Oh, praise God. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. See, this is exactly what got planet Earth in trouble to start with. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, hanging out at the tree. (laughs) Bad place to hang out. Right? And the enemy comes and is pulling on them and tempting them and moving them to eat. To what? Violate disobey, disregard the command of the Lord and do what the enemy is influencing them to do, which is how the devil became the God of this world. And, and, and if Adam had done so, he could he have put his foot down and run the devil right out of there. The Lord gave him the authority and power to keep and protect the garden. But then next thing we know, Adam's not the one giving orders. Eve's not the one giving orders. They have fallen and are experiencing death and the enemy is running things. He's always trying to turn this thing upside down. It doesn't belong to him. He's an outlaw. He's a thief. One who steals and kills. You have authority. You have the name above every name. You have the greater one inside you. But if you're going to exercise control over him, you must submit to the authority over you. You must do what he commands. Now, some of these commands come through people. And that's where it gets interesting. (laughs) Because you'll hear people say, I submit to God, I submit to God. Not any man, not any man. Well, that's real convenient since you're the only one that interprets what God's telling you. It's real handy. 
Go to Hebrews 13 in closing, I think. If you never submit to any man or woman here on the earth, you do not submit to God. You are not submitting to God completely because that's part of submission to God is submitting to those he has chosen and put in your life. See how excited everybody is about this? <laughs> Am I just making this up or are there, there are scriptures here? Hebrews 13, 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Is this New Testament? Okay. It says, remember them which have the rule over you. Have the rule over you. And we know he's talking about believers because he talks about their faith in just a little bit. These are leaders in the faith. Those who have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God. These would be teachers and preachers. Whose faith follow. Considering the end of their conversation or their lifestyle, verse 8 says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've pulled that eighth verse out and quoted it, but he's talking about leaders and elders in the faith, in the church, that if they're like, if they're a good leader, they're like the master. They're the same. Day in, day out, they, they live a faith that's consistent that you can follow. But notice what he said. Those that have the what? Rule. rule over you. Can you name people who have the rule over you? Yes. Can you? Yes. Can you come up with any names? Yes. <laughs> if not, you ain't trying. You're not paying attention. <laughs> Skip down to verse 17 and notice this. Verse 17. What's the first word? Obey. Do what? Obey. Say it again real loud. Okay. <laughs> I, I know this, this is completely politically incorrect, but do you want to be conformed to this world? No. Or you want to be like the master? You want to be like this man who Jesus marveled at his faith? Then you need to recognize, he said, I have people over me and I follow their commands. And I've got people under me, and they follow my commands. Many Christians, people in our circles, have tried to work this one-sided. They won't submit to anybody. They won't follow any directions. They do what they want, when they want. And then when something comes up, they try to exercise authority over the enemy, and he laughs at them. Because he knows if you're yielding to him, he does not have to yield to you. But that can be changed in an afternoon. <laughs> that can be changed immediately. And you change from a place of powerlessness to a place of power. The Lord gave me a phrase, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago when we taught on this, that the place of submission to God is a place of protection and it's a place of power. Do you believe? I believe I spoke that by the Spirit of God. The place of of complete submission to God is a place of complete protection and a place of complete power. Anybody want to be protected in this dangerous, evil world? 
Anybody want to walk in power over the operations of the enemy? Well, you have to submit yourself to God first. Then you can resist the enemy. And he has to flee from you. Read it again, verse 17. Do what? Obey Obey who? Not not just God. Them. (laughs) Who? That have the rule over you. That's what he referred to back in, what was it, verse 7. And do what? Submit yourselves, because he's not going to make you do it. And if they're godly like him, they're not going to make you do it. So if you don't present yourself and submit yourself, it's not going to happen. You got to submit yourself. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Oh, friends, there is so much more help and protection that God would give his people if they would give him and those he's appointed place. And I know people are afraid, people are proud, uh, and, and you just got the nature of the flesh. Your flesh and mine, both of them, are rebellious by nature if you yield to it. Your flesh didn't get born again. You know, if somebody gives you a command, the nature of the flesh is, what? <laughs> command me. But read it. Uh, just look up the word. Notice how many times Paul commanded people to do things. He commanded them to do it. Here's one of them, Thessalonians. He said, I command you that if any will not work, he doesn't eat. Is that still right today? He didn't say, I urge you. I I suggest to you. I command you. Why? How many believe he submitted to God and did what the Lord told him to do? Then he's bold then to walk in his authority and knows the enemy has to do what he commands him to do. How many want to throw off the foolishness of pseudo-spirituality and religious ideas of men and actually walk in real Christianity and real power? Hallelujah! Well, it's going to take us doing what the world despises. The ungodly world despises submission. They despise humility. They, they think meekness is weakness. They despise taking orders and obeying. Oh, but when you know who loves you and who's given the orders and you trust him completely, hallelujah, you know I can't go wrong obeying God, Right? Even if there's a little bit of rough stuff to go through, on the other side, we're coming out with some amazing things. Somebody say, I'm going all the way. I'm going all, all the way. Hallelujah. I have a God over me. I have authority over me. And when the command comes, I obey. Right? And then when the enemy tries to stir up in my life, I got full confidence. I got full boldness. I can tell him where to get out. And he has to obey. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.